Welcome back to the Ancient World Outdoor Edition, Lyceum Outdoor Edition. Hope you're having a good morning and good day. And uh, my name is Richard. I'll be your host for this little walk in nature. It's like the peripatetic tradition in the fields with mountains in the horizon and uh, walking and thinking. So today we want to have... There's a couple of topics. So the first one is, like now having gone through, like revisited the Nicomachean ethics, it's super interesting to see how this connects to Dante's Purgatory in ways that are much more apparent now. Uh, for example, the whole idea of building virtue. Like, we're not built with virtue, we have to build, build it, this is Aristotelian thinking, through action. So we both have to know and understand what it is, but then we have to do things, which is why ethics is a practical handbook <laughs> of how to to act and do things to build your virtue. And then for the moral virtues, this is kind of the habit of choosing the mean. It's very important. So when you read through that and then you go back and look at something like purgatory, it kind of stands out so clearly that Mount Purgatory is also, like almost everything in the, in the comedy is a mix of the Greek and the, and the Hebrew tradition. So, and then also like both the myth and the Greek myth and the philosophy, but the mountain is kind of the mountain of virtue as well. So you have to go through it, you have to do the repentance, kind of the offsetting things for, for the vices to then gradually come to the top of the mountain. So it's both this kind of idea of, of like payment or offsetting or atonement for your sins, but it's also an idea of of building virtue just as a kind of from, from scratch as a positive kind of life affirming activity. And then you reach this state or state of virtue, arete in Aristotelian terms, where this becomes a habit, it also becomes an active condition. This is another interesting great word or idea from Aristotle. That first you build something uh, like a virtue or a kind of a habit and when you're at that stage it is like building something but then once something is built then the actions will come from that <laughs> that skill in a sense so kind of like a virtue and then it's something completely different so especially this this is easy to understand more from uh, like any craft that you have this this uh, period of, of building up the different skills and then when you use them you you know them and then it's also what you're doing is not testing into <laughs> into learning but it is practicing something you already know which is something different and this goes also to virtue and the virtuous life just meaning then that you have built up the habits of choosing the mean and knowing kind of more how to aim to the good and then that will become kind of your second nature is another term there and it will become automatic and it will become also just more and more easy and joyful which is also another image from the purgatory that Virgil says that the first like the beginnings of the mountains or the mountain the terraces the mountain is very hard but eventually climbing will be like floating downwards in a boat which is some alluding to the same idea in in some ways so that was a great bonus from just kind of digging into the ethics once again it might be put on this list of books to revisit every every few years
because you might it's a good reminder and then you also have some more lived life in you so you can you can digest and reflect and also extract some more knowledge and examples and uh, the feeling is it's a really solid feeling afterwards so and it also then makes the whole the speech from Virgil at the end of Canto 27 so this is also like the end of ethics in chapter 10 book 10 in ethics you come to the contemplative life which is in some ways the, the higher life in contrast to the active life it's not necessarily better but it's just it's a different form of kind of life experience or state and this is what happens when the pilgrim is dreaming about Leah and Rachel in at the end of uh, the last terrace which and they are the symbols of the active and the contemplative life so Rachel is then gazing into the mirror at her own at her own reflection which is the contemplation and Rachel is kind of out and gathering beautiful flowers for a little garland. So that's really capturing the Aristotelian uh, idea and ideal of virtue and and uh, the whole ethics. And then Virgil has this big speech that now, now crown and meet you, Lord of yourself, and now you can follow your passions. Now you build up the rational foundation for the discernment, and between the lines you now have built up virtue. So. All of this was a great joy just to kind of immediately see as we went back to purgatory again. So it's just an amazing thing, like thing like bit on the side, but like some books you can just read them again and again and again, and you keep discovering new things. So that was the main topic I want to say today, and uh, um, another one a little bit on the side, but we've also been looking through some of the psalms because. Dante is such a, uh, he's appreciating David as a poet and then also the Psalms and then we found this one little <laughs> quote in uh, Psalm 138 verse 7, 138 verse 7, where it says something like, um, when I was walking in the middle of, of danger, then kind of the divine came and, and helped and lifted him to to salvation which is like four lines in the psalm but it is in many ways capturing the whole uh, one of the storylines in the divine comedy that is lost in the dark forest in the opening tercet and then there's this long 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 journey uh, towards the ascent and then finally the the unification and the and the salvation so that was uh, kind of it was really standing out coming to that point in the psalms so that was seven minutes uh, and we can add the last little thing we are also working uh, a little bit with our friend in uh, the historian in Seattle John Strickland and we are uh, we had some, we have some <laughs> some uh, talks about the enlightenment and how it is presented and the big figures uh, also connected to uh, Tom Holland, another great British historian, had a podcast last week about um, the myth-making about the Enlightenment and how it was more uh, mixed than is often presented. So, uh, for example, that Rousseau was uh, uh, converted uh, into Catholicism and you had many people who, are, who were open at least to the, uh, the spiritual and, uh, and at least curious about it, so it's uh, it ties into this this discovery that 
Once you start reading the original text, also in Italian, of the Italian humanists, you see that it's much more of a, of a blended picture. And then this applies now also to the Enlightenment. So it's this kind of backward projection that everything was strictly rational and secular since the Renaissance and beginning in the Renaissance, which is just not accurate. The trend is, is one thing, but but the, the picture is more nuanced, which is interesting in itself just to understand history better and to learn more from it. So um, we might make another, like a separate episode on just this, uh, this talk about the Enlightenment from Tom Holland on his podcast, The Rest is History. Okay, so with that, uh, these are instantly longer than five minutes, <laughs> so, but there are many interesting things to talk about and new discoveries and all of this. So, uh, But again, thank you so much for, uh, for joining us today and uh, it's a great joy to share these things when we are out here walking in the beautiful grass and looking at the hills and the mountains and the trees and the river. And uh, with that, hope you're still having a great day and see you again in another episode.